0: Uh, Corey, how are you? Corey, how are we? Corey, how are Naira. Hey everyone. Welcome back to another video from a man talks NRL super coach. In today's video, we're going through the round nine preview or the trade targets. If you guys like the video, would really appreciate a thumbs up and do please consider subscribing to the channel if you haven't already. My goal is still to try to try get to a thousand subscribers by a set of origin game one, but if we can do it by the end of the season, that would be truly amazing. And I really appreciate all the support that you guys have shown so far. Um, one thing I probably should note as well that I'm gonna put the audio of this video um, up on Spotify for anyone who wants to listen to that instead of watching the video but a lot of stuff to get into, so let's get straight into it. So quick shout out to our round eight top scorer in our overall group league, which was Ivan from Green Eyed Monster. He's got a massive, uh, sorry, 1,518. Absolutely huge score. Uh, and just taking a look at our top five, we see Jackson. Um, it looks like actually he was a new entry um, into our group league in the last week. He's overall ranked 24. He's absolutely killing it this season. So definitely, hopefully he continues to do well um, and you know gets into the top 20 or even the 15 sometime soon. And rounding out our top five, we've got James, Thomas, Sam, and Paul, all sitting in the top 400 and absolutely killing. So guys, hope you all continue to do really, really well. Now, just taking a quick look at the round nine team list highlights. Uh, So in the first game, we have the Rabbitohs taking on the Storm, which should be a really, really entertaining game. But unfortunately for the Rabbitohs, they're missing a few key guys. Adam Reynolds, Cam Murray, Campbell Graham, and Jackson Paulo are all out through various injuries. Um, I think the notable inclusion out of that for Supercoach is probably gonna be Jai Arrow starting at lock. Uh, he potentially might see extra minutes with especially like Cam Murray out of the side uh, and he really could get an, you know, a boost to his supercoach points. He was getting talked about a lot I think to begin the start at the start of the season um, then he's kind of uh, teed off a little bit with his minutes reducing but this could see him come back into form for supercoach purposes. On the Storm side of things, Nelson Isolfo Solomona and George Jennings are the big inclusions for them this week. I guess the big exclusion is uh, Ryan pappenhazen is still out, um, so it really sucks for anyone who's still held him. Probably still is a hold, but for people like myself who sold him, we're looking really good at this stage because that's now going to be his third week that he's out of the side. With George Jennings coming back, Dean Remia does drop out of the 17, but he still is someone to keep an eye on as a potential cheapie um, around that state of origin period. In the uh, Panthers-Sharks game, the big news out of the Panthers is that Kurt Capel, who did have a rib complaint, he has been named to start um, at number 12, but definitely something to keep an eye on in the um, final team list an hour before kickoff, um, whether he actually does play. Fortunately, the Panthers do play pretty early in the week, so we should be able to get the news and be able to adjust our teams accordingly. On the Sharks side, I guess the big loss for them is uh, Braden hamlin Huelli, who I think has got an ankle injury and is going to be out for about eight weeks. Um, Jesse Raymond has been named to start for them in the centres. That sees Teague Wilton move to the bench. I think Wilton is probably the most supercoach relevant player from the Sharks at this point in time, given that he's named on the bench and I think his break-even is pretty, well it's not pretty high, but it's kind of above what he's probably expected to score. He's probably a good seller at this point. He's made a decent amount of cash. In the Eels game, Nathan Brown, who did have that kind of serious looking hip injury, he's actually been named to start at lock. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, And with that news, Isaiah Papali'i is actually been named to still start in the back row. Sean Lane was still named on the bench, so this is hallelujah for any Isaiah Papali'i owners. Junior Polo has also been named to start at prop. He was a late switch to the bench, but we have seen him now be named at the starting lineup, although we could see that same switch happen again. Uh, on the uh, Rooster side, big, big changes here. Um, CSU Takiahu has been named to start after being named on the bench, so he looks good to go. But part of that is probably because Lindsay Collins, unfortunately, is out for the season with that ACL injury, as is Brett Morris, which is really tough to see. Um, James Tedesco is a big inclusion for the Roosters being named at fullback, um, so that sees Joey Minor go back to center, Matt Icavali would be on the wing, uh, and no Joseph Swali, which I wasn't expecting, to be honest, I think he pop- I think the Roosters are probably going to try to hold him off for as long as they can. Um, another thing which I wasn't actually wary of is that um, Sam Varels has got an eye injury, and it sounds pretty serious, it's like his, a part of his retina has been detached, uh, so he could be out for... Uh, you know I think up to eight weeks if it's really serious uh, which is going to be unfortunate given that he looked really really good in his return and the Roosters look a lot better with a good number nine not saying that Ben Marshke isn't but I think Sam Varela is on a different level to him um, and Satilia Tupanua is also out for a week um, suspended for a shoulder charge uh, on the Raiders side some inclusions here is Josh Papali'i has been named to start um, and George Williams has also been named after being a really late exclusion from their uh, from their side um, the big out here is going to be Ryan James, who's been dropped out of the 17 altogether, basically probably just confirming that he has been a bit of a flop um, in terms of a, you know, a cash cow this season. Um, you know, I brought him into the team after he had two good games where he scored a try, and since then he hasn't done that much, and he's lost a little bit of money, so I haven't really made too much out of that trade, which is really unfortunate. Fortunately, being out of the 17 means that he's not going to change in price this week, so you can afford to hold him um, if you've got other trades that you want to focus on uh, for the Tigers, actually. The big news here was that Jacob Little was named on the bench. That's really bad news for anyone who owns Jake Simpkin. That probably suggests that Simpkin's minutes are going to be, you know, split with Little, um, maybe 50-30 from Simpkin to Little. So I think Simpkin, he'll still make a little bit of money because he got that negative break even, but he's probably not going to be a good play in your 17 this round. And this was the unfortunate thing, I think, going for him, is that we knew that there was going to be a bit of a risk with Madge kind of tinkering with the side a little bit. And smaller ports, reports, Jacob Little was doing very well in the reserve grade, so it's not a complete shock, I guess, to see him back. On the uh, Titan side, uh, Tino fasumala Awi comes back from his two-week suspension, um, and unfortunately, Corey Thompson is the big out, You know, confirming with that ankle injury that he's going to be out for around eight weeks. Uh, On the Dragons the big out for them is Zach Lomax out with that thumb injury I think it's looking about a timeline of about four to six weeks Really really is unfortunate given that the Dragons draw coming up is actually really nice And this is perfect timing for when for when we'd want Zach Lomax, but unfortunately we can't pick him up now Um, On the Warriors side I guess the big kind of maybe not quite an inclusion for them yet um, Is Chanel Harris-DeVita, you know, they're injured a halfback he has been named on an extended bench, which suggests that he will be coming back into the play, um, into the team soon enough, um, and that potentially does spell some news, for, you know, maybe, well, we're not quite sure what that does to Reece Walsh, who has been, you know, obviously a lot of hype around him, seeing how he's performed in the first two games, and I think a few people might be considering him as a cheapie, so definitely with Harris Tevita back on the extended bench, um, something to look out for on Reece Walsh. But that kind of wraps up, I think, the big news out of Teamless Tuesday for Round 9. So what I again wanted to do in this video is kind of go through some of the key questions that I think a lot of people are going to be asking. I think centers, once again, is the forefront in terms of everyone's mind this round because obviously Brett Morris has been injured, Corey Thompson injured, Kirk Capel has been named but there is a bit of concern and I think people are probably looking to sell him anyway given that he hasn't been, you know, absolutely killing it so far and he's probably going to play Origin. so I think a lot of people people would be looking to trade him soon. Um, and we've got these cheap centers who are still hanging around, like your Charlie Staines, your Simonson, Tours, James Roberts, if you still have them. So I think the question is, who are the keepers? Uh, who are the guys that we should be getting in um, in our center wing? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to split it between the guys who play in round 13 by week and the guys who don't, uh, because there will be some probably keeper guys who don't play round 13, so you kind of have to weigh up which one you want to go for. Now, in terms of the round 13 playing centers, I thought these were probably the most viable options to consider. So That's Bradman Best. Blake Ferguson, Mike Asivo, Jermaine Osako, Dave Donfuluma, Rima Smith, Jack Bird, and Tyron Peachy. So, starting with Bradman Best, he's about 509k, pretty low owned, and he's got a decent average, and he's got a break even of 76, so he potentially might go down in price again this week. Um, after this tough game against the Raiders, very nice games coming up against the Tigers, the Cowboys and the Sea Eagles, so he's definitely a big tra- tra- uh, trade target of mine. Maybe not this round, but potentially next week as well. And I think he'll be up there in the top five, six center wings this season. Um, and he's probably the one I would most likely go for actually out of this list. He's got fantastic base and power statistics, averaging 45 a game, which is really, really solid. We've seen even in last week's game against the Roosters where you know they basically the, the Knights scored four points and didn't. he wasn't able to get any real attacking stats. And I think he scored like 40, which if that's his floor, you would probably happily take that in your center wing. And I think that nice draw coming up for them, playing in the round 13, I think Bradman Best is a great trade and target for next week. But if you want to get in early as a bit of a pod move, I think you could also do it this week too. On the Eels boys, Blake Ferguson and Mike Casivo. Blake Ferguson, Blake Ferguson unbelievably is now uh, cheaper than Mike Casivo, basically because Mike Casivo's had those two huge games. Ferguson's 487K. He is very highly owned. So I guess if you're looking to kind of chase from the pack, if you're lower ranked, he probably isn't going to help that much given that he's pretty highly owned. But, you know, he's still doing pretty well, averaging 65. His base and power is also very good, scoring 44. Um, sorry, I'll also just clarify that base and power refers to your um, tackle breaking, your running... Um, The general tackles and also the meters gained and off also offloading So kind of good measure of you know What you'd expect the floor of some of these center wings to be he's got a blake Ferguson's got a break even of 68 So again, he might might go down in value this week But we've seen even um, not even last week but the week before he scored 70 something without any real attacking stats So we know that he is able to pump out good scores and you know if he gets on the end of one or two tries uh, You know he can do well One thing I am noticing, though, with the Eels is that they seem to be going a lot more to the left side of their attack now um, than they were in the beginning of the season. I think, obviously, Clint Guffinson is a big part of that. He always sweeps out to the left, and Mike Acevo Acevo is a big, big target. And I think on the left edge as well, you know, we've got Isaiah Papali'i, Bryce Cartwright has been playing in that position. It seems like they've got a little bit more strike power on that side. So it definitely does maybe favour Mike Acevo in terms of his uh, attacking points potential. There is a big price difference, though, between the two. I, in my opinion, I feel like the the ship has sailed a little bit on my Casivo. He has got a negative forty seven break even, so he could, you know, jump on a, a big cash grab from him too. In terms of the draw for the Eels, it's not too bad. You know, Roosters this week will be tough, but then the Warriors, Sea Eagles, and the Rabbitohs, who have been uh, experiencing some injuries, you know, so the team will be a little bit weakened. Could be decent for the Eels. The thing with Sevo though, is like I had him, I owned him last season, and he gives you these big, big scores of like one hundred and fifty. But then he also gives you these seven pointers. Trust me, I was there for that seven pointer and I did not enjoy it. He's just too inconsistent for my liking. His base and power is a little bit down from Ferguson at 37. So he's a little bit more reliant on scoring those tries, which I think he probably has a greater tendency to get now that the eels are moving, you know, playing a little bit more to the left based on my eye test. But I still don't think Ferguson or Seva are two guys I'm really gonna go for. I'd prefer Bradman best to those three uh, out of those three. Jermaine Osaka, again, has come kind of come to consideration given that he's had that massive, massive score last week, but he has shown also that ability to go low, and I think with the Broncos, he, you know, he only really, I've seen him do well in the easier games, I think he scored 100 against a pretty relatively easy opponent, but we saw in that stretch against tough, uh, tougher opponents recently, he's getting scores around the 30s to 35s, uh, you know, his base and power is 36, so you kind of expect that to be his floor. And I think he sometimes uh, flatters to deceive with these really big scores. Now, they do play the Cowboys and then the Sea Eagles, which I think is a pretty decent two-game stretch. So, you know, with a break even of two, he could be a nice little qu- uh, quick cash grab. But I think long-term, I probably wouldn't be looking to hold him. Um, but he will play in round 13, obviously, as all of these guys will. So he can be handy there. I just look at those two games around 11 and 12, which is against the Roosters and the Storm. Um, and, you know, I'm not too enthused by that, knowing that he could really easily get like a 25 to 30 in those games. David Nofaluma, 526k, 9% owned, uh, me being one of them owners, uh, I brought him in a couple of weeks ago, and he hasn't really you know, set the world alight, he's got a break-even of 102, so I don't think you know you really have to jump on him this week, he probably drops below four, uh, 500k um, with that high break-even, but I really like his base, You know, 44 base and power is really, really solid for a center wing, they just don't seem to be going to him as much as they used to do last year. Um, Part of that's probably down to his centers and also the halves that he's playing with. Uh, But hopefully if he's able to jag a few more attacking stats and, you know, be used a little bit better by the Tigers, because he is a real good strike weapon for them, hopefully we'll see his points go up uh, soon enough. He probably has the best draw out of any of these centers. Titans, Knights, Warriors, and Dragons I think is a really good month ahead. So I think, you know, I kind of banked on hopefully him being able to get those attacking stats. It hasn't come yet, but I think Nofaluma is probably still a decent trade-in target. Um, you know, if you want to jump the gun, you can get him this week, but you probably will have to cop a bit of a price hit as his break-even is very high. Now, Ramus Smith, that he's, the thing that stands out the most with him is that negative 60 break-even. Uh, you know, 466k, so he's probably going to go up you know, well above the 500k mark, um, and he's playing with the Storm, who, you know, are one of the best attacking teams in the comp. The thing I don't like about Remus Smith, though, is that we've seen him go, like, really, really low, under 30. It's only in these games that he's scored like, well, he's got back to back tons now because he's got two tries and then three tries. He's not going to be able to keep that up all the time, in my opinion. And I don't view him as like a season keeper. And the way that I usually prioritize my trades, especially with center wings, I just want to bring guys in who I think I'm going to be able to just hold for the rest of the season and not fiddle around with it too much. Um, and I don't see Raymond Smith in that category, much, uh, to be fair. The draw for the Storm isn't too bad, you know, Rabbitohs, Dragons, Raiders, and Broncos. Broncos' game in round 12 is very, very juicy, um, so I don't know if I'd be wanting to go there myself, but, you know, I think he still be could be a decent uh, trade trading target, but probably not personally for me. I think he's a little bit too reliant on scoring the tries to get those big scores, compared to like your Bradman Best and Offalumas, of who've got a little bit better floor, um, and combined with those attacking stats, can probably have a little bit more upside. The thing with the, the thing with them is that they just haven't shown that yet this season, compared to Smith. Now, Jack Bird, I've got here, um, you know, 437K. He's got a really high break, even of 98. What I do like about Jack Bird, though, is his draw. You know, Bulldogs is a great game this week. Storm, yuck. But then Sharks and Tigers, I think, are uh, great games. You know, three of those four games, very, very, um, you know, conducive to big center wing points. He just hasn't really shown it at this point in time. He's got pretty decent base and power of 40. um, And he's he's actually pretty well-owned compared to some of these other guys. You know, 12% versus even like a Peachy, a Nofaluma, a Sarko. You know that's uh, surprisingly that's higher because um, he hasn't really shown the capability of getting those big scores yet with an average of only fifty. I think it really depends on how much you bank on him getting those attacking stats. Potentially now that Zach Lomax is out of the side, they might just try to direct more of their attack to uh, Jack Bird's side. Um, so I think you really have to. I think with Jack Bird, I think you have to be seeing it more as how do you view the Dragons uh, with these easy games coming up and whether that will profit Jack Bird. I personally won't go there myself. I think he's also got a little bit of injury history. Um, so yeah, I just don't think I'll be going there. I think I've, I would view Nofaluma and Best probably as better trade in targets. Finally, a guy who I probably am considering a little bit more seriously is Tyron Peachy. 529k, he's shown that ability to get really, really big scores because he is pretty integral to the Titans' attack. He has been named at lock this week, which is a really good sign. I think there was some talk that he might potentially be moved to the centers given Corey Thompson's injury, but we see that he's still named at lock, which I think is better for him moving forward. He's got center wing, uh, secondary forward dual flexibility, which does work in his favor, averaging 66, which is very, very solid. And his base and power is actually the best of the bunch here at 47. Part of that probably also because he plays in the forward, so his base is going to be a little bit higher. And he's got a break even of 31, which is very, very achievable. And the Titans draw is quite nice. West Tigers is good. Panthers gross, but then Bulldogs and Sharks, I think, really good games. And Peachy, we saw even in that first 20 minutes against the Broncos, you know, he can rack up a few attacking stats, force dropouts. You know, he gets his point in points in a variety of ways. So I think Peachy is actually a very good trade and target if you're looking to replace, you know, one of these center wings, um, like a Brett Morris, etc. So I think Peachy. Not for Lumar, brab and best out of these, out of out of this list is probably the three that I would actually prioritise. Uh, and I think there's a good argument for Peachy to be the pick of the bunch, given that they've got that good draw, plays in round 13. There potentially is a uh, he might potentially play Origin now that Cam Murray's gone down with that injury, but I still think Peachy's probably behind in the pecking order. So I think Peachy is a pretty safe play for the round 13 and beyond period. So I think Peachy is actually quite a good uh, pick up for this week. So the next little bit, I actually wanted to talk about centers who don't play round 13, because I understand some people, obviously, there is you know, a, quite a large percentage of the supercoach population who are focused on overall and wanting to you know improve like their position and cover the round 13 buys. But I think some people are probably less fixated on that and maybe just want to be looking at you know, just other center wings. And I think that's there's some validity to that. It really comes down to whether you think that these guys who don't play in round 13 are going to score more points in their four games up until round 13 versus the guys who do in their five games. But I think there are some definite definite center wing keeper uh, tier players uh who don't play in round 13 and play origin which is probably part of the reason why they're playing origin in the first place so the first one i've got here is val holmes 603k he's actually he's pretty expensive now i don't think i would actually pay that much money now for him given that he was priced in the you know low 500s at one point his base and power is not that great at 37 compared to some of these other center wings but we know that he can get his points through his goal kicking He's got that great attacking potential. He's probably the most dangerous attacking player in their back line at the Cowboys. Um, and so we know that he can rack up the points. And we've seen that in the past few weeks. And he's got a great game against the Broncos this round. So I think if you really, really wanted to lock him into your team, now is a great week to trade him in because he's got that really good game. The Roosters next week is tough. Knights and Warriors, I think, are still decent. Just be wary, obviously, that Holmes is probably likely to play State of Origin. So he's going to miss round 13 and probably also miss the round... Um, uh, round 17 by week as well state of, uh, through, through state of origin so if you factor that into your thinking and you think that his points can outweigh those guys who do play in round 13 I think he's still a very good pickup I personally won't be because he's priced pretty expensive uh, above 600k but I think Val Holmes will probably be a center wing keeper move, uh, down the track definitely someone I'll look to bring into the team probably post round 13. Another guy who might go into that category is Daniel Tupo. I think he presents a lot, lot better value than Val Holmes. At 504k, he's a way, way less owned at 2%. He's averaging 60 and he hasn't been able to get that many tries until recently. Where he's, you know, now that he's got Sam Walker, I think that really does benefit him. Because Walker we see just roams across the field, you know, he throws those great cutout balls, or he chips those little tries, just kicks in. Uh, and so we see Tupo really benefit, and he's got a low break even of six, and Tupo's always had really good base and power. He does a lot of work out of his own end, and we can see that his base and power is 45, which is a great, great floor. If you combine that with the potential for more tries and attacking stats, his average is probably going to go well beyond the 60s and more into the 70s, and I think that makes tupo, tupo uh, a center wing keeper. I do think that he will play Origin. I know that there's some talk about potentially uh, Brian Toto taking that wing spot. I think Fittler, in my opinion, will go for Tupo because he's got the experience. He's got that old club combination with Latrell Mitchell, and I think Latrell's probably going to play center, um, probably left center and Tupo left wing. Uh, and Tupo's good under the high ball. So I do feel like is going to play Origin. but uh, you know, if I think if you're less concerned about that and you really want to go for banking the points, the Roosters draw coming up is very decent. Eels this, game, uh, Eels this week is tough, but then the Cowboys and the Broncos, two fantastic matchups. Raiders have shown that they have that capability of leaking points as well, so I still think that game against the Raiders is still decent for Tupo. So I think Tupo could actually be a better, in my opinion, is probably a better pickup than Val Holmes, given that he's 100k cheaper and less owned at this point in time. Uh, and he's probably let, uh, set to go up more in value with that break-even of 6. So Tupo is definitely someone I would consider a semi keeper, and definitely someone I think you should try to get into your team. For me... Potentially, I don't know if I will because I am trying to be maybe more focused on the round 13 players But maybe this is something I have to consider more that I should just be less fixated on that and just go for the season-long center wing keepers And I think Tupo falls into that category One guy who has been doing really well uh, in the past couple of weeks is Jordan Rapana from the uh, Raiders Rapana, rapana I don't know how you should say it Probably I'll go with Rapana. 551k with an ownership of seven percent he has been knocking out some big scores but i just don't like how reliant on try he is on tries he is he's got a base in power 40 which is actually decent but i think last week he scored a double he had the goal kicking and he still only scored 67. you know compare that to like your tupo if i saw tupo get a double i'd probably be thinking he'd get into the 90s right that's the kind of thing i want to see for my center wing uh but rapana doesn't really enthuse me that often Oh, sorry it doesn't enthuse me that much the draw for them is okay, Knights and Bulldogs in the next two games is is decent I think, uh, Bulldogs actually is, well it's a great game, but then Storm and Roosters and then doesn't play in round 13, it doesn't really interest me. One thing I have seen with the Raiders though is that their draw actually from round 14 onwards is really 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 good, um, I can't remember the in exact matchups but I do know, I do remember that it was really nice. So Rapana I think is probably someone I would be willing to forego up until round 13 but raiders attacking players from round 14 onwards i think is a good way to target them so definitely not someone i'll probably be looking to trade in myself uh from this round dan gagai uh 504k four percent owned he's going to break even 69 and you know i do think the uh rabbiters attack will suffer a little bit you know without reynolds without Murray, who's really integral to their attack so i don't know if the attacking stats are going to be there for gagai and also alex johnson who i've gotten to the um who i've got in this um list here uh, the good thing with Gagai is that given he plays in the centers, his floor is a little bit better. You know, he's got a base in power of 46 compared to Alex Johnson's, who's here is 26. Um, and the draw for the Rabbiters is pretty tough in the next uh, month or so. You know, the Storm this week is really difficult, Sharks next week is good, but then Panthers and Eels, you know, two really great defenses. So I personally won't be going for guys like Dan Gagai or Alex Johnson. I think that draw plus the tough, uh, well, plus the lack of playing in round 13 really doesn't enthuse me with these guys, and I think there's guys who at least, if they don't play in round 13, have got a lot better draw coming up. The last guy I actually want to kind of touch on is Jesse Ramian from the Sharks. He's 466k, he's definitely a pod a 2% owned. He's got actually the base, uh, best base and power out of the bunch here. Um, getting 60 points um, in base and power, which is fantastic base. So he could really be a good pod in that kind of mid-range center wing category if you don't want to get quite into that 500 plus mark. Uh, The Sharks draw is pretty tough in the next two weeks with Panthers and Rabbitohs, but Dragons and Titans is good, but then obviously they do buy in round 13. So I think you really, really have to be banking on him getting some tries combined with that good base and power to really, I think, get the points difference, you know, compared to some of these other guys like a Daniel Tupo to really make it worthwhile. So I probably won't be going there myself, but I have seen him kind of thrown around um, as a decent option, and especially in that mid-range category, he's probably the best of the bunch. Like, I'd probably pick him up over a Jack Bird, to be honest. But out of these non-Round 13 playing guys, I think Val Holmes and Daniel Tupo are the two guys I'd really be looking at, and Tupo especially, in my opinion. So the le- next little part I wanted to talk about was Isaiah Popoliti, because he just keeps getting these massive ton scores and rubbing it in our face. Um, is he a must-have? I'll just... No one's really a must-have, I guess, in this game. But he's showing that he's really irresistible at this point in time. He's seven hundred and sixty k now, so he's super expensive, and he's owned by twenty-four percent. And looking at the trade statistics, I know that's going to be a lot, lot higher. You know, averaging eighty-nine. He's got fantastic base. Actually, I think in his last game, uh, last week, he scored seventy-three points in base, which is just ridiculous. His average base and power is 67. So if you know you're getting a floor of almost 70, you know, you take that any day of the week. And he has shown that ability to get tries. I th- I mean, I put on Twitter saying that, oh, should I just bite the bullet and get him? Because I can't actually afford him in one single trade. I feel like now that price, though, is just really expensive. And I don't know if I can go there myself, especially when I know I can get guys like Angus Crichton. Who's two almost 200K cheaper. He's probably averaging maybe 15 points less, which I guess is a lot and Crichton, i guess won't play around 13 but i think there's still probably better value options i think he has shown that he's probably a, he's a fantastic pickup i don't think he's a must-have and i don't know if i'd actually go there myself now i think that price is a little bit out of the um, out of reach the problem is his break even is 67 so he's more on like more likely to actually just meet his break even and hold that value but hopefully fingers crossed if he stops going over for try line um, stops getting over the try line, stops getting attacking points, stops setting up tries. Hopefully his price comes back down, and hoping I'm hoping that maybe I can just pick him up at round twelve or round thirteen. I would actually probably look at maybe even like a Ryan Madison um, instead. You know, same team member. is gonna go way down in value because he's got a really high break even. Ryan Madison's gonna be almost 200k cheaper than him probably soon enough, and way way less owned. And we know Madison is a proven gun. He just obviously has that injury concern with his concussion history, but Madison also plays round thirteen. Don't expect Madison to play Origin, So I think that could be a really pod move to go with Madison compared to like Isaiah Papali'i. So uh, long story short, I don't think Papali'i is a must-have. He's a very, very nice luxury trade. And I think if you can afford it, um, I can afford it. I don't know if I'm going to do it though myself. In terms of the other front row forwards, you know, Payne Haas and Tevita Pangai Jr., I've spoken about them uh, quite a bit in the past couple of weeks. I still, still think they're very, very good trade targets. Tevita Pangai Jr. has had a great fortnight, scoring 71 and then the 100 in the week before. And he's got a break even at 33, so he's probably going to go you know, up in value again. So he's still a good target, I think, for this week. He's shown good upside, and I actually quite like the Broncos draw. Also, uh, well, actually, I said with Jermaine Osaka, the draw is not great, but for forwards, I think the draw is less important. And with Tevita Pangai we saw that even in tough matchups, I guess, even against like Dave Efita, he has that ability to still score good points. Uh, And Payne Haas is a set and forget front row forward. Although with Payne Haas, I'd actually maybe argue that Toe Harris is a uh, better buy. Given that Payne Haas is probably going to play Origin, um, so he's going to miss at least two games from that. Whereas Tohu House is just going to miss the one bye week in round 13, but he's set and forget. Um, so I'd actually maybe prioritize Tohu House if you've got the right dual players. James Fisher House, I've got here potentially maybe as a front row forward replacement, um, you know, because he plays the round 13 bye week, and he's averaging around 62, which is pretty solid for your front row forward. He just like I mean Fisher House has never really excited me I guess as a super coach uh, player he's got real he hasn't really got that much upside I had him for a period of time last season and he you know I picked him up after a run of good few games and he was just getting 40s and 50s and I think his minutes definitely can be more managed um, by Ivan Cleary and so even potentially around that state of Origin period we might not see him get the you know amazing minutes um, so for me Fisher and he's really highly owned so I don't think there's a real pod play with him as well. So personally, I don't know if I'll go with Fisher-Harris. I think there's probably better options like Tevita Pangai Jr. I'd rather pay the 50k for Tevita Pangai and know that I've got that potential upside. Now, the last thing I wanted to address in front row forwards was Junior Paulo. Now, I know he's pretty popular. You know, he's 15% owned, so he's decently owned. He's just been stinking it up. You know, 424k now. He's dropped so much value, and he's got a break even of 84. So he's probably going to go down again. He just hasn't been offloading at, um, at all. Uh, and his minutes have been a lot down. I think he played 43 minutes last week. So a lot of people probably be thinking, what should I do with him? Should I just take my losses and sell him, or should I just hold him and hope that he turns it around? It's a it's a tough one. I mean, I don't own him if I did I'd be really really frustrated I think and there's only so much time that you can let someone just keep getting 40s and 50s before you run out of patience with them Especially when you know he's got that upside I think if you've got a lot of cash and you've been able to generate some decent cash if you can do it to Vita Pangai Sorry, if you can go Paula to Tavita Pangai, I think that's still a good move You're paying about 120. I think just take cut cut your losses Get into Vita Pangai, and I also think Junior Paulo might play Origin. You know, he played there last uh, last year, so I think you're already losing a number for that round thirteen period. So I think it's probably a safe sell for Junior Paulo, uh, and he's probably going to lose more value. So I guess if you do it now, he's probably going to go down again. So I would say. Juniper is a sell, but I understand completely why people don't want to sell and continue to hold that value. And he has shown, obviously, that ability to turn it around. I guess the question is when do we know that? When do we know if he can turn it around? That's the big question. Uh, Next section, I wanted to talk about the kind of cheapy trading targets. So Jake Simkin, as I mentioned, Jacob Little is now back on the bench, so I don't think Simkin is a great trade-in target, even though he's got a break-even of 1 and he's averaging 46, which is okay. I think there's too much uncertainty about his minutes and his potential um, point scoring, so I don't think Simkin is a great trade-in target if you didn't get him, get on him uh, last week. Josh Curran, I think the opposite. I think Curran is still a great trade-in target, even though he went up about 90k. He's still got a ne- negative 15 break-even. Um I was really really impressed with his performance he was also so he was so close to scoring a try um, but he had a hand in another try so he's actually showed that ability to get attacking stats. The Warriors are obviously very stacked with four and I think Katoa is actually back um, hovering around the 17. he potentially might eat into Karin's minutes but I think Karen has shown enough uh, at least in my opinion uh, to be pretty impressive. um he's definitely a good workhorse you know he just makes a bunch of bunch of tackles so I think he's still a very good trade and target. Um, You know, if you've got like a Ryan James or like a Ben Condon, uh, or even if you've got like a Terrell Fumiano, I think they're all great sells for Curran. You know, at similar price, I think Curran's going to obviously go up a lot more in value. Um, And if he continues to maintain that average and that base, uh, he could potentially be a season-long hold um, in your 17. Max Guy at 203k, he scored 51 last week, and he's got a break-even of nil, so he's going to go up in value, but not this week. He only played his first game last week, so you still have another week before you have to trade him in. With all the backline woes at the Dragons, you know, with their suspended wingers, um, and with Zach Lomax going out, we might see Guy get an extended run, uh, and he, you know, with the Dragons playing round 13, and with that good draw that I mentioned with Jack Bird, Guy could actually be a good uh trading target for your centre wing. If you're looking to create money, so you know if you're going from like a Charlie Stains or Tour down to a uh, Max Fugai guy, I think that could be a good trade, but it might not it doesn't have to be this week. I think you probably want a little bit more certainty about his uh, security in the team before I'd be pulling the trigger. Rhys Walsh I think has been a really exciting player to watch from the Warriors and I think a lot of people have asked me if he's a decent trade in target as a cheapie. The downside with him is that he only plays he's only listed at fullback. I think fullback is a position as we've seen you really need to be running two guns in my opinion I think you need like your Guthers, your turbos your pongers your teddies um, your pappenhausens when he comes back I think there's too many points to be sacrificing in that position if you go with like a Reese Walsh. Um, unfortunately he doesn't get that dual position flexibility um, and you can put him in your 5-8. So I don't think he's gonna be a great trade in target. He's got a negative 36 break-even, so he will go up in value quite a bit this week. But the thing is well, he's passing the eye test, but his points-wise haven't been, you know, super high. He's averaging 50, which is fine. But we know our other fullbacks, they're averaging 75, 85 plus. So I don't really think Walsh is a good trade in target. Uh, the only situation I would do it is if you're really looking to create money or if you already have, you know, a cheap other a cheap second fullback. That's the only time I'd consider doing it. But I really think you need to try and get in two gun fullbacks. Finally I've got Zach Seney. Um, obviously he had a fantastic debut for the Tigers. You know, he's already a bit of a cult hero with that blonde mullet. Um, it was really great scenes actually to see him score a try in front of his friends and family who were all going off like lunatics, so that was really fun. He's got a break-even of minus 16 and he scored 58 last week. It was, which was only his first game, so you don't have to trade him in this week. But I think he could be a very good cheap centre wing, especially filling the numbers in over the Origin period. I think James Roberts is actually supposed to be out for about a month, uh, so seeing his position in the team is probably looking pretty secure. And if he keeps up this uh, that kind of good performance, I wouldn't see any reason why he shouldn't be dropped in, why he should be dropped out of the seventeen. So I think definitely would wait and see one more week. But you can definitely bring him in next week if you want to capitalize on his first price rise. But I think he'll be one of those good cheapy center wings that you can buy, plug into your you know your bench on your center wing. And then when it comes to round 13, just play him. Because you know that the Tigers are playing that week. And you know he'll make the numbers up. So the uh, last thing I wanted to do is just address maybe a couple other questions that people might have. Um, firstly, Pappenhausen, you know, he's out again this week. But I think all the signs are pointing to that he will be back next week. If you've held this long in my opinion i think i would just continue to hold um it's only one more week realistically and he comes back to the dragons raiders and the bulldogs which i think are fantastic games in terms of mid-range second row forwards i know that there's a few who've been bouncing around who probably going to go up in value and have been scoring fairly well in the past few weeks kion kloma from the rabbitos um my general opinion on these mid-range second forwards is a bit of always a bit of a risk with them um, I think I'd rather just go for the absolute guns, um, you know, I'd rather prefer like your Toe Houses, your Crichtons compared to these people, because um, they can u- usually fluctuate a little bit in terms of their points. Kaloma Tunghi has shown that he's got that attacking potential, but as I mentioned, the Rabbit's are losing quite a few guys, even though he's got a negative 40 break, even I don't know if he'll be able to rack up all those attacking stats, and averaging 57 is just not wowing me, I guess. I've got bryce carr right here um obviously there's a big, big risk with him uh he's performed well in the past two games but i would consider that there was also against the broncos and the bulldogs um and he scored five in just the game before those two so we know that his minutes can fluctuate so i think it's a big risk going for him even though he's got that negative uh, 26 break even and probably up in value Corey waddell he's done pretty decent over the past few weeks playing in the middle for the Bulldogs, but I think when Josh Jackson comes back, it's probably going to affect what else minutes. And to be honest, I'm just not really interested too much by um, anyone at the Bulldogs because they don't play in round 13. So Tilly Tuppernoo is definitely someone I probably would get into my mid-range second row forward because we have seen that ability for him to get attacking stats. And he actually had good, very very good base stats last week, which is not something we've seen in his game. Unfortunately, he is suspended this week, so it's not someone you have to trade in this round. You can do it next round. Um, and as I mentioned, the Roosters have great uh, games coming up from next week against the Cowboys and the Broncos. So Tupanul could actually be a really great trade-in target next week. Negative four break even, definitely has a potential for attacking stats and he could I could see him you know averaging in the 60s uh, 65 and he's already got an average of 56 finally the big one here I think is Corey Haru, and Naira a lot of people are looking at getting him in he's played two games playing 80 minutes in both games which is probably a rarity for these Raiders forwards who rotate so much he's got a break even of zero averaging 55 and he's 302k so there's a lot of things I think to like uh, a lot of things to like about Haru and Naira I personally won't go there myself because I just don't trust the Raiders forwards in the rotation. We've seen their best player in like Josh Papaliti getting dropped. So who knows what um, CHN's job security is like. I think if you're going for a cash grab, it's okay. But again, he won't play in round 13, which is a bit of a disadvantage to him. Uh, and I'm just too afraid of the uncertainty of these forwards minutes. But he could be a fantastic pod. Um, you know, if you just kind of weigh up the risk and reward that he might get dropped. So now I just wanted to get into the vice-captain-captain candidates for Round 9. I think this week is a really open week and there's a lot of good captaincy and vice-captaincy candidates. If you look at firstly the Rabbitohs, uh Storm game on Thursday night, I think the two best vice-captain candidates will be Cody Walker and Harry Grant. Um, obviously, the downside with these two teams is that they're pretty solid defensively, but we, I tend to see that Cody Walker does really well against the better teams. Um, and we scored, he scored 89 last week um, against a pretty decent um, Raiders out, outfit. So I think he could still be a very safe vice captain candidate. Um, as with Harry Grant, you know, he's coming off a massive 103. And I think he, the way I see these guys is that they're big game players. So I think in these in these really big games is when they step up. Uh, and Harry Grant is very, very low-owned at the moment. So that could be a massive pod play if you do own him. You could even just potentially throw the captaincy on him, but that would be very, very bold. Next up, I've got the Panthers boys uh, versus the Sharks. I've got Nathan Cleary and Brian Toto. Cleary, don't have to really say too much about him. He's Mr. Consistent. He's always hovering around that 80 85 plus. So I think you can lock him into your, sen- um, into your captain, not into your center wing. Lock him in for your captaincy or vice captain if you don't have anyone from the Rabbitohs South that you're wanting to put the vice captain on. Probably what I'm going to do is probably vice captain Nathan Cleary. Uh, if you really want to go pod, you can go Captain Brian Toto or Vice Captain Brian To'o um, against the Sharks. He very easily could score like a try here. I think, combined with that base, uh, he could do very well. Uh, sorry, I've actually got the numbers down here incorrect uh, with round eight points. I've got 153. He didn't score 153 last week against the uh, tie, um, against the um, Sea Eagles. He's got 100 plus, but still, he could get 153. Uh, who knows? Dave Fafita, I think, is going to be a very very popular captain. Hopefully, I wouldn't let last week put you off in terms of him only scoring the 66. If that's his flaw, you know, it's not the worst. And he's coming up against the Tigers. They're the the worst team at defending edge back rowers. Um, And Fafita has shown that he very easily can score a double. And I think in games where he hasn't scored, uh, I think he's been alternating between scores scores sub-100 and then over 100. So if you follow that trend, he's probably going to go for 120-plus this week. So I think Fafida is going to be a very popular captain, uh, probably the one I'm going to go for when I think about it. I'll probably go Vice-Captain Cleary uh, and Captain Dave Fafita. Uh, one other good candidate, I think, which is a bit more pod, is going for Tevita Pangai Jr. You know, Broncos versus Cowboys, that's always a bit of a, you know, that Queensland derby, so there's a bit of that X factor about him, and Pangai probably want to put in a good performance. And, and the Cowboys are also the uh, worst at defending edge back rollers. So, Panga Jr. could be in for a great game here. Definitely would be a more pod move. I don't think I'd be going there myself. I'd probably be going for Fafita instead. Kalen Ponga versus the Raiders. The Raiders have shown to be considering quite a few points to fullbacks, um, sixth worst at defending fullbacks. And I think the Knights will really want to bounce back after that really poor performance uh, against the Roosters. Um, he only scored 40 last week, Ponga, but I think we saw him just a few weeks back score 160. So, we know he's got that massive upside. So, I think if you've got Ponga, you know, if you've got the, you know, if you've got the cajones, we'll put it that way. Uh, I think Pong could be a great captaincy shout this week if you're looking for a more pod player to, you know, go up the rankings. Finally, someone who I think is going to be a really serious captain candidate is Tom Tvorovic, and I'm definitely going to be watching behind my couch, being a non-Turbo uh, owner. Coming up against the Warriors at home, I think it's his hundredth game for the Sea Eagles, so it's a big milestone game for him. He's probably going to want to do well. The Warriors have been the sixth worst at defending fullbacks, um, and we saw Tom Tavoyevich get 68 points against the best team in the Panthers. If that's, if that's his worst score, he's probably set for 100-plus against the Warriors, so I think he's a fantastic captaincy shout, and if I owned him, I'd actually probably go with Captain Turbo. So for the final part of the video, I thought I'd just go through the break-evens of all the teams, as I normally do, but I won't spend too long in this section. For the Broncos, probably one guy I would touch on is maybe Jesse Arthurs, uh, who could be a decent center-wing cheapie, it's 270K, but he's got a negative 18 break even because he put in a pretty good performance last week, scoring a try. So definitely no, no need to trade him in this week. I think it was his first game. Um, I would just wait and see how he performs this week as well uh, before looking to bring him in. But I think there are probably going to be better cheapy centers that I'd go for, like a Zach uh, in all in all fairness. On the Bulldog side, to be honest, I'm not really interested... In uh, anyone, I think maybe Corey Waddell with a 19 break-even could be decent, but no, nah, I don't think i will be going anywhere. I'm um, going with anyone, sorry, from the uh, Bulldogs. On the Raiders, Tom Starling's got a negative 5 break-even, so he could go up in value. Well, he could. He wouldn't. He will go up in value. But I think Josh Hodgson is like a week away from coming back from his injury. Corey Haori he's got a 0 break-even, so I probably butchered that name. 302 <laughs> ki I've given my thoughts on him already. Uh, to be honest, I don't think we're going to be really considering anyone else from the Raiders. Maybe Rapana, who's got a break even of uh 27, uh, but I, I've given my thoughts on him uh, already to this point. Uh, on the Dragons, I think Max guy mentioned with a minus five break even, but you don't have to bring him in uh, this round. I think the only other guy that probably a lot of people will be looking at was Zach Lomax, but obviously he's injured. He's got 130 break-even, so when he eventually does come back from his injury, he's, he might even be sub 400K. So he just keep in the back of your mind when Zach Lomax comes back, wait for another game from him to go down in value, and just buy him dirt cheap and lock him in for the rest of the season. Uh, so from the Sea Eagles, I think uh, Jason Saab, probably, you know, a lot of memes would probably be made about him, but he's got 11 break-even, and he's, got, and he's at 282K, so he's, well, I'd hope that he beats that break-even. We have seen him get close to not breaking that. Uh, but with the return of Tom Tavarovic against the Warriors, I think he's actually now you know, being a decent center wing. I wouldn't call him a cash cow, but he's making some value. So I don't think he's the worst play in your 17 with Tom Tavarovic back. I just don't think I'd be doing it myself if um if I owned him. Uh, on the Storm side, I think Nico Hines, who I mentioned a little bit more last week, um, he could still be an okay trading target because he's got a negative 40 break even, and he is playing at fullback this week. Um, I would just bear in mind that those next three games, which are probably the more better games for the Storm, Pappenhausen's probably going to be back, so I think you're really going to be missing out on the benefit of Nico Hines, so I don't think I'd be actually trading him in myself. Uh, on the Knights, I think the guys who probably more people would be considering would be Bradman Best, and as I mentioned, he's got a break-even of, let me find it here, 77. So, you know, pretty high break-even, you don't have to bring him in this week, but I think, you know, the next few weeks, the highlighter for the Knights, their draw is very good. I do want to speak a little bit about um, Connor Watson, though. He's got a break even of 60, and he's been hovering really around that 55 to 60 mark so far this season. I'll, I'll probably hold him for now, given that he probably will play around 13, and with his easy games, he has shown that ability to go into the hundreds. He did that once so far this season. I don't know if it's the worst trade, though, to be trading him to, like, a Harry Grant, because as I mentioned, the Storm's draw coming up is pretty good. I think it all becomes about that risk-reward of, you know, will Harry Grant score more points than Connor Watson will with one less game. Uh, on the Cowboy side, again, the only real person I'm probably considering is Val Holmes. Um, he's got a break-even at 60, but I think he's just a bit too expensive for me. Uh, on the Eel side, I've probably spoken about all the guys that I need to. I think Clint Gutherson uh, gives him, I'll give a mention to him. A 16 break-even at 772k. That's a lot of money to be paying, and I think we've kind. Of, I think if you haven't got him now, you've kind of missed the boat in terms of he's really you wanted to bring him in. I think against the Broncos and the Bulldogs. I think now he's got the Roosters this week, and then. A few tough games with a few decent games mixed in, so I don't know if we will see him be, you know, continuing to back up those massive hundred-plus scores. But that's now three in a row for him, so I think he's still a decent trading target. But I think if you haven't got Gutherson, I'd probably get Turbo instead. He's a lot cheaper, or or even Ponga. Uh, on the Panthers, Liam Martin, who's got the lowest break-even here over ten. At 347k, he could be a decent trade-in target, um, if, especially if Capel, uh, you know, is ultimately ruled out. You know, Liam Martin, I'd expect, would be named in the starting lineup. And Capel is probably going to go away with Queensland on origin duties. I'd expect Liam Martin to come back into the starting lineup. Um, and he really could be a decent kind of mid-range um, second row forward option as well, if that's the kind of budget range that you're looking for. Um, On the Sharks, I think the guy that I probably mentioned already was Jesse Raymond, who's got the lowest break-even here of 19. I think he could be an okay mid-range center wing. Uh, On the Rabbitohs side, Benji Marshall's got a break-even of 5, so he's actually probably going to go up quite a bit in value, And, and Benji could actually be a decent player over the origin period, especially if you find out that Cody Walker does play State of Origin. I would expect Benji Marshall to be playing a lot more games. Finally, on the uh, Roosters, we've got Sam Walker with a minus 108 break-even, which is ridiculous. The guy is going to be getting into the 600k mark after, like, what, three, four games? The biggest, like, one of the biggest cash rises I've ever seen. It's not even, I don't even think it's too late to bring him in, because I wouldn't even be looking at him as a cash cow. He's just a season-long keeper, in my opinion. So just get him into your team if you haven't already. As I mentioned, Daniel Tupo with a very low break-even of six, and Tupinou with minus four, but Tupano you don't have to bring in this week. Another talking point, I guess, out of the Roosters is James Tedesco with that 157 break-even. Extremely high. I think if you've already held Tedesco to this point, like myself, I think just continue to hold him. On the uh, Titan side, obviously Tino is probably a big inclusion for them, but he's got 111 break-even. But I think if you haven't sold him yet, I would probably just hold him just to make up the numbers, unless you really have no other issues with the team. And you can do like a Tino to a TPJ. I'd probably advocate that move, given that Tino's probably going to go down in price this week. On the Warriors side, a few cash guys here, or a few guys with negative break-evens. Uh, Reese Walsh, Josh Curran, Rocco Berry, Ben murdoch massilla murdoch massilla is not playing this week, so I don't think I'd be looking to trade him in. Uh, Josh Curran, as I mentioned, I think is still a really good trade and target for this round. And Reese Walsh, I think I wouldn't be going there myself, given the uncertainty with uh, Harris-Rivita looking close to coming back into the side. On the Tigers side, Zach Sini with a nine, uh, negative 20 break-even. Um, I've given my thoughts on him. Jacob Little, if you are still holding Jacob Little, he is named coming off the bench. He's only got a break even of eight. So I think just keep him in your team, I think, and he'll probably go up a little bit in value, and then you could probably just uh, trade him out if you're looking to squeeze as much cash as you can out of him. And finally, a guy I want to mention the Tigers who I spoke spoke about in the past, in the uh, earlier rounds, but not so much in the past few weeks, is Adam Dewey. He's got a break even of 90. Definitely something I'd be monitoring because I think the Tigers draw is still pretty good. Um, In the next month or so, and Dewey could be a super super pod um, at five eight. You know, I spoke about him a lot as pod, given that he at one point he had a three round average in the nineties, and he's really passing the eye test for me um, in real life football. So I think Adam Dewey could be a great pod in your five eight if you're looking to maybe you know target round thirteen players. You know, if you're looking to maybe move on Josh Schuster to really nail your round thirteen, I think Dewey could be a great pod in your five eight alright guys that's the round 9 trade targets slash preview bit of a longer video but there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to get out there and moving forward I'm probably gonna be sticking to this two video format uh, where I do the trade targets um, and then the roundups I think it was a little bit difficult to do the teamless captains and then the trade targets as well just with my schedule I've got a I've got a new job actually coming up so there's gonna be taking up a little bit more of my time but hopefully you guys like this format if you did Would really appreciate a thumbs up on the video, and do please consider subscribing to the the channel if you haven't already. Uh, As I said, the goal is to try to get to a thousand by state of Origin Game 1. Really appreciate all the support that you guys have shown so far, um, and I really, really appreciate it. But until then, see you guys in the next video.